You don't even want to know what's stuck in my head right now. Oh, man, is it the Andy Griffith theme? It is a theme from a TV show. Ooh, all right. Uh, let's see. Um, did you recently watch this or just popped in your head? I have not recently watched it, but it has recently uh, been on TV or whatever. Okay. For the first time in a long time. Um, prestige kind of show or? It was a sitcom. Okay. Uh, is it Friends? I'm sure it won't. I'm sure it won some awards. No, same network. Mm. Seinfeld. No, Just, you're no, in the you ballpark. You got you the time right. You would have known if that one had won awards because you like Seinfeld. Um, also, Seinfeld is mad really about you. Just... No. Um, Seinfeld's just like that's true. Uh, cheers. No, oh, you're very close now. Uh, let me see. It is related to Cheers. Frazier. Yeah, there you go. Look at me. I can name that tune in two notes, Bob, or three questions, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or nine or five nineties TV shows. <laughs> but if not, if nothing else, it made for a good intro. Oh, salad and scrambled eggs. Man, I'm really glad I didn't hit the button before you said that. <laughs> Are you using that? Oh, I'm 100% using all of it. Yeah. <laughs> CavsCorner.com podcast. CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the Pledge of Franklin States in the West End of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, October the 25th. Scary season is around the corner, but for the Tar Heels, scary season already arrived. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm sorry. That was so that was so bad, but I had to do it because it just sort of it just sort of happened. 31-27. Cavaliers get a victory down in Chapel Hill over number two, I guess then number 10, North Carolina. First, as we are all very aware at this point, the first road win over top 10 team in school history. Um, Got to say, didn't see it coming. And honestly, if, if everybody just comes to the podcast hoping now that we'll all pick the other team in uh, in hopes of, um, you know, reverse psychology taking over. Hey, you know what? Whatever it takes, whatever, whatever, whatever it takes to get the job done. Uh, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody for tonight. Everybody is editor in chief Justin Ferber in Charlottesville. How's it going, my dude? Pretty good. I'd like you to go back to where you said it was spooky season for Carolina or whatever. It just add like a thunderclap or like a lightning <laughs> sound effect there. Or like maybe some, what about some like uh, some disembodied voices? Some, yeah, or like the creepy laugh. <laughs> oh, what about the dude, yeah. the dude from Thriller? What if I just threw the dude from Thriller in there? Oh, that, oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse Jones will be on your ass. 
or whoever st- gets has the rights was, to that. Wait, is he still? I was going to say, is Quincy still? He with might us? be dead. I don't, I don't, I don't know, know, man. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Uh, for uh, wait, you didn't do the Twitter thing, so I can't do the Twitter thing, and my brain breaks. Yeah, at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. There we go. Cavs corner Arsenal Twitter. Cavs underscore corner. Great place for the in-game updates, kind of items, and occasional witty banter. Um, Dave is not with us this evening, though he is still <laughs> alive. Um, he, he he you know came down with an illness. Uh, he was questionable. We made the decision to start Ferber alone, and uh, we're going to give Dave the night off to rest, and hopefully he will be back better than ever next week. Um, the fact that he Qu- didn't get to Quincy talk about Jones this is game, still alive, by the way. Uh, cool. Okay, good. Just uh, like the fa- Dave. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that Dave didn't get to talk about uh, a top ten win on the road is so sad. He, what did he say? The first win over a, a Power Five team in a in a year, and he doesn't even get to talk about it. But you know what, Dave? That's just a price you paid. To make sure that this win happened, thirty-one twenty-seven. I, I got to be honest. One of the more impressive results in recent history, and I don't mean that just in terms of the Tony Elliott era. I mean that in general. I thought Virginia looked. I mean, like honestly, looked like a completely different team. Ferber, like the whole game. It, it. I was expecting the you know sort of normal Virginia Cavaliers to pop up, and they and like it just never happened. I was so impressed. Uh, I had to eat a lot of crow. <laughs> Because not only on our podcast, but also, too, I did a ball hawk show last week. Um, and Chris Wright from the Saber was being very optimistic. And I kind of, you know, for lack of a, a better description, kind of sort of poo-pooed it. I was like, listen, I'm not seeing a whole lot to be optimistic about. Well, I see a whole lot to be optimistic about. Now, the question, I guess, at this point, and we're not going to necessarily be able to, um, to, to land the plane on whether or not the optimism is well-placed for the rest of the season but at least for this game, is is if you read Ferber's take two the other day, I mean, A's across the board. When's the last time that's happened? I don't think in the history of that feature that's ever happened. Um, you know, I it's, can't imagine that there were I, ever A's yeah, across the board. Yeah, no. I just, I mean, I'm just really, even now, days later, I'm still struck by not necessarily, it wasn't like, and that's what it is, it didn't feel fluky, right? Like it did not right. feel like Virginia went out there. And, and they just happened to, you know, it was, oh, wow, they had three pick sixes, right? Like, granted, Drake May was not his normal self, even though he still racked up 347 yards of passing. He was 24 of 48, which for those of you who don't like math, that's 50% completion percentage. Um, he was also like one of nine on third down. Um, so, I mean, he had an off night, but I think Virginia had a lot to do with that. I thought their pressure was good. As, as we've gotten some distance from it, um, when you look back on it, how, how does this sort of sit with you now? Are you at every bit as impressed as you were then? Are you more impressed? How are you feeling about it? Yeah. I mean, definitely just as impressed. Um, you know, it was probably the most shocking positive football result that I've seen ever, um, in terms of like pregame expectations and how the game turned out, obviously, uh, you know, probably, I think it's the biggest upset in college football this year in terms of like point spread. Um, so it's not just like a run of the mill, unexpected result. It was a shocking result. Um, the only thing that maybe makes it a little bit more like realistic is that it was Carolina, a team that we see every year. And it's like, you know, that they kind of do this sometimes. Um, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah. And it's not like beating a Clemson. I mean, it wouldn't have been, I guess maybe it would have just meant more like nationally or whatever, if they had beaten like a, a number 10 Clemson or like whoever. Um, but I mean, still very impressive. I think, you know, that you, you talked about them kind of looking like a different team. I think they tried to do a lot of the same things. They were just a little bit more efficient in doing so. And then with some wrinkles on top of that and the right amount of aggression, um, 
And then honestly, like we we said it even in victory or even in defeat before, like a lot of times it comes down to a few things. It's, you know, how you convert in the red zone, how you do on third down on both sides of the ball, field position, turnovers. Um, and UVA, to be honest, kind of left some stuff on the table in some of those respects. Like, you know, both of their turnovers were in the red zone. Um, both came on drives where like at some point in that drive, either on that player right before they were at the UNC one. So they clearly left some points out there. Um, you know, they end up minus one in turnovers because of that. But I thought the field position was really big and, and, and they just played like a clean game, even though they had the two turnovers, like, you know, they were pretty good with penalties. You know, they scored four red zone touchdowns. They, they punted the ball well, played special teams, no special teams mistakes really at all. Um, and, and defense, like, you know, they didn't create a ton of pressure on the quarterback or force a bunch of turnovers, but what they did is consistently get off the field when they needed to. And UNC was bad on third down. They only scored 10 points on three red zone trips. Um, and UVA didn't get a ton of pressure, but they got it when they needed it at the end on the one play that kind of ended the game. So super impressive. Um, and it seems like they used the bye to their advantage and, um, I think everybody, players, coaches alike, deserve a ton of credit for not only being prepared to go play this game to win, but also like finishing it because it would have been really easy for this team to wilt, you know, on those last two. Because North Carolina had two chances to win the game, um, and UVA got stops on both, which you know is something that um, they've been close to doing. To be honest with you, it's just like doing it against North Carolina is a different thing, and they were still able to get it done. So, yeah, I mean, very, very impressive. Um, there's a reason that UVA's never done this before. It's hard to do, right. you know. It's and hard, yeah. I, I think True. they deserve a lot of credit for just going down there and like. Yeah, I also think like in the big picture, like this team had every reason to kind of like mail it in in the second half of the season, given how the year started. And from what we saw on Saturday, it's pretty clear they're not going to do that. Yeah, I. So I've got a couple things. First, I thought we were we were joking before we went on air. Um, the that you know we kind of needed football to sort of give us sort of something to talk about and they absolutely did what i find the most interesting is like we've talked before in the idea of like rorschach tests right like basically like we've especially for the basketball program at times it sort of felt like you know anybody could look at it and take any go any direction they wanted you could look at this and and say like look this is proof of concept right like this is and that's something i sent on the ball hawk um space that night on twitter like you could look at this and say hey look this is what this is the proof. Like, this is what it's supposed to look like. And, like, they didn't do it. It's not like Tony Musket was 31 of 36 for 383, yeah. right? He's 20 And they didn't come 30. out and run the triple or something. Right, you know, exactly. Now, granted, the they blue. did run the ball better than we've seen them run it, especially against a Power 5 team. And certainly, if that if that is is a proof of concept, then that bodes well for sort of where they're going to go because I think Tony Elliott and Dez have wanted to be balanced offensively. They've wanted to be able to run on third down and actually pick up the third downs. Uh, Cavaliers are eight of 18 in this game on third, two of three on fourth Carolina, four of 13 on third O of two on fourth. Um, if you had told me though, that Virginia was that Drake may is going to go for three fifty, Tony Musket's going to throw for two Oh eight. Virginia's still going to lose the turnover battle two to one, right? They're, the defense is not going to produce any points, right? I would not have expected Virginia's winning this game. And yet they just sort of, that's the thing is it's, it's not fluky. Right. It's it. They just essentially they literally played 
and won. I mean, that is that is the most like ridiculous description, yeah. and yet it's the right one. They played hard. They they made plays when they needed to. They weren't like huge, you know, swings in the game when they when they you know were down, you know, double digits in the second half. They still managed to come back. They managed to score seventeen points in the second half. Something they have just simply not done, right? They they held another team a really good offense to ten points in the second half, which they clearly yeah. have not done. And three um, after they went down by ten. And exactly. And then so then there's that piece, right? But then there's the Rorschach part of it, which is like, well, if you're somebody who looks at this and goes, well, wait a minute, why weren't you doing this all the time? And you're actually in some ways even more frustrated because you're like, this is what you're supposed to do consistently, right? Like we're not asking you to go out there and set the world on fire. What we're really asking you to do is go out there and just be consistent. And yeah, the proof of concept is is that like more often than not, Virginia can't seem to get to this bar. I understand those folks who would say the the latter, but I, I'm I'm more of a uh, at this point leaning toward the former. Now, I definitely want to see more of it, and I don't think anybody's wrong if they look at this game and come away thinking like that was incredible. Would love to see him do it a couple more times, right? Because we've seen the the amount of frustration, but it does change the narrative a little bit, and we've talked a lot whether direct or indirect, right, about sort of this program, this coaching staff needing to change the narrative, especially after the way JMU, Maryland, NC State went, right, Boston College. Like, what those games showed us was just simply not good, right? All of the takeaways from those games essentially came down to an inability to do this or that. There was nothing in those games that made you come away thinking like, you know what, I think they're going to be able to put it together, right? Right. Then they do put it together, and it makes you go back and look at those games and say, well, you know what? Like, the the, the rain, the, the weather delay against Jamie's a little fluky. Maryland, it's on the road. You know, freshman quarterback had a bad go of it, right? NC State just had some penalties in the wrong moment. Now, I'm not trying to excuse those mistakes. Boston College, you know, they sort of just became a shell of themselves at times late. Um, I'm not trying to make excuses for them, but it's easier in light of this game, right, of seeing, like, oh, that's what the margin of error. Because in this game... All of the times that Virginia essentially could, like, as, as Ferber said really eloquently, I think, as all the times that the, the Cavaliers could have wilted, they just didn't, right? They came back, and they just kept playing, right? Fumble the ball out of the end zone, um, which was just a, at the moment. I was like, oh, gosh, it's just heartbreaking, especially for that kid on, in this spot. And then did, just the, the narrative sort of just looked perfect, right? Like, up, oh, Caroline's going to get the ball, come back, and this is it. And they just didn't. I just thought Virginia was so impressive in not just their execution, but also in their clear will. I, I think you can make a really strong argument that this was not a game that Virginia won because they're more talented. And it's not a game they won because they were better coached or more schemed. This was a game that they won because there was a little sprinkling of all that at times. But the biggest thing was like they just had showed a lot of heart. They just did not give up. And frankly, like, that's a thing you can build on, man. And I know that for folks who have been listening to this podcast, we're not saying like, oh, look, they showed us the first sign of success and all of a sudden we're, <laughs> we're all on the bandwagon. Um, it's more about sort of like going off what you see, right? Previous to this game, I think we were fair in, in terms of coming to the conclusion that like it was rough, right? The outlook was rough. What we were seeing was rough. Uh, trying to find positives amid what we were seeing was rough. Now I think you I think you have to try really hard not to th- come away from this thinking, hey, there's something to build on here. Now again, they got to go to Miami this weekend. They got they got more games to play, more evidence to sort of put on the table. But for right now, um, and I think Ferber, you did a really nice job of sort of encapsulating this in the in the take too. Like 
right now you, you, you you're excited about this. You're excited about what you saw. And again, it's not fluky. Like they didn't go out there and do something crazy here or there. They simply just played and continued to play well. Didn't like, again, set the world on fire, but they did it in a way that like, oh, that's sustainable. Like what I saw against Carolina is 100% sustainable. It is something that I feel like Virginia can do with regularity. It does make me think at times like, all right, well, why weren't you doing some of this earlier? I thought the offensive line looked strong. They seemed apt for the fight. I thought the defense was finally able to create some pressure. Special teams was consistent, made good plays all night. Um, they were able to, as a team, they were able to sort of uh, come back from their own mistakes. I just think there's a lot to like, and that's a very weird place to be in given what we've seen to this point in the season. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, we try to be as fair as possible because, you know, there wasn't like it's one thing to be one in five and you're just getting blown out every week. And that happens. I mean, like those teams are out there <laughs> um, and we've seen it like UVA's played some bad teams in the ACC that you're like, this team does not have a chance. Um, UVA hasn't really been like that outside of, you know, the fourth quarter against Maryland and the Tennessee game. Yeah. Um, the rest of it, you know, they've been in it. I, I would say like they've been the, the worst of the two teams in a lot of the situations that they've been in, but they've been close. Um, I think, you know, I said this after the game, you can kind of look at what we've seen to this point, however you want it. You know, you said a Rorschach test. I mean, that's what it is. Like, on the one hand, you can, from a positive standpoint, you can look at what's happened and be like, look how close they've been. You mentioned a few things that kind of went against them. The rain delay, um, you know, at, at Maryland, it was closer than it looked until the end. And then, the fourth quarter was a disaster. Um, you know, what happened against NC state, like, um, even Boston college. I mean, like they were up 14 in that game and and they just weren't able to close it out. And uh, that one, you probably can't give back to them, but, um, and you could also say like, I mean, they're, they're two and two with Tony Musket and they're Oh, and three with a true freshman quarterback that had to play. And obviously we know that he wasn't like the issue. It wasn't like him being bad is why they lost games, but it is true. I mean, like it's an unusual situation to have to be in. And, you know, I think the fact that it was a good North Carolina team, a top 10 team that they did it against does change things because if they did this against Boston college, I'd be like, well, it's good that they got a win and, you know, like kind of stop the bleeding, so to speak with the losses. But at the same time, it's Boston college, like bad teams, mediocre teams lose all the time. Um, there, I don't know what to take from this, but North Carolina is like a different thing, you know, like that's a much more impressive, like going out and just being the better team on the day against the top 10 team sort of shows, you know, you talked about proof of concept, like it shows what you can do. Um, now, I mean, the question is how big of an, cause I think we all would probably agree that this performance is a little bit of an outlier given the opponent, um, you know, North Carolina has scored 30 plus points in every game and they didn't get 30 in this game. So that makes it an outlier in itself, but credit to UVA for getting that. But I wouldn't expect them to be like beat a top 10 good every single week now, like this year, but it's like, how big of an outlier is this? Is this a small outlier? And like, you know, they can do this against Miami and Louisville and Duke and maybe win sometimes and maybe not. Or is it, you know, kind of a one-off where it's like things kind of fell into place. They're coming off a buy. Um, and I also think like to 
to be fair, like the 0-5 start was not in a vacuum. It was also coming off of the previous year where things had not been so good. Um, so, I mean, there was more to it than just what they were doing in those five games. But um, ultimately, I mean, yeah, there's there's no doubt, like you have to give everybody credit for getting this one done. And, um, you know, I, I think if anything, it, it, the biggest impact it might have is like the guys in the locker room might, it just gives them like they can go into every game the rest of the way thinking they can win it every game, you know? Um, and I think beating a team like North Carolina kind of like for the coaching staff, I think part of the thing is like when you have a new staff or any staff, they're teaching a lot. They're telling you, Hey, you're not doing this the way we want you to do it. We need you to do it this way, whatever. And then if you go out and lose games, it's a lot easier to be like, kind of roll your eyes or like not do it right. Or, maybe the, the, you know, you're not listening or the, the coaching isn't sinking in, but when you start to win, people start to believe in you and they're like, Oh, this right. guy knows what he's talking about. There's a reason I should do it this way. Right. Yep. Um, and I think for the staff, it gives them a little bit more like credibility, honestly, with the players and fans. Um, and yeah, I don't necessarily think like if it, you know, if they go five and seven or six and six this year or something, and we look, then I would say like, yeah, this was the watershed moment. They came off the bye and turned their season around. Or it could just be like a sign of progress and things are going to kind of ebb and flow from here, which is how things go for most teams. Or it could be a complete aberration, you know, and there's no honestly like it's probably not what people want to hear, but we just don't have enough information to know which one of them it is. yet. Yeah. And that's fair. I I got three things. I want to talk about third down. I want to talk about aggressiveness and I want to talk about watershed. So third down is. I, I, I want to drill into this a little bit because when I broke down these numbers, it was fascinating to me. So Virginia's average third down distance to go here in this game is 5.5 yards. Carolina's was 6.5. All right. Virginia only in third and long twice, okay, in this game, which is um, defined as nine yards or more, okay? They're four of eight on third and short, which is one through four, all right? To, to, and, and again, we, we mentioned Carolina's one of nine passing on third down. Virginia was six of eight on third down passing for 42 yards, okay? Now, if you think about what you think those numbers are, what do you what do you think Virginia's average yard to gain on third down was against Tennessee, all right? I'll tell you, it was 8.1. I was going to say 9. <laughs> yeah. All right, against against JMU was 9.4, okay? Against Maryland it was 9.7. Against Boston College it was 8. Right against William and Mary, it was five point seven. NC State's the outlier there because against NC State it was five point six. But we know what happened in that game, right? We know that that one wasn't necessarily about Virginia not playing well. It was about Virginia making like really bad mistakes at the really worst time. Right? Yeah, and then they had red zone issues, so they were moving exactly. the ball. But they were moving didn't the ball exactly, drives. right? Exactly. So like, what I find super interesting about this is what they did in this game was. Because they could run the ball, they were able to keep themselves out of third and long. And third and long has been an issue for them all season long. Frankly, it isn't third and long is an issue all season long. Um, it's frankly like the biggest reason offenses struggle, right, is because they can't do anything on first and second down. Teams put their ears back on third down, and then they got a punt. Like that's that's like most college football that you watch when the team is bad, that's what happens to their offense, right? They're unable to get in third and short. They cannot stay out of third and long. And unless you yeah. can just, unless you, unless you're going to be, you know, your average third down is nine yards, but you're scoring from fifty yards out on second and first down all the time. That's great, you know. But you're genuinely, generally, you're not going to be able to create that many big plays 
with consistency, right? You're going to have to do well on third down to be good offensively. So I, I think the thing about this is that, like, this Carolina defense is not the Carolina defense of old, right? They're much more talented. They've been much more consistent. I mean, especially against the run. I think they were, like, what, top 35, somewhere in that ballpark, right, against the run? Yeah, what what they did, what UVA did to them was not – a. F- uh, it, at least from what we've seen this season, it wasn't a byproduct of like, oh, well, Carolina's defense is just terrible. Right. And, that's and they're like winning every people... game 48-42. Exactly. <laughs> it's like that hasn't been how it's been. So. Yeah, and for Carolina in the last few years, that's been the case, right? Great offense, terrible defense, right? Like if your offense couldn't get right against Carolina, you were in some trouble. That's not what they have been this year. And Virginia made them feel like defensive is of old. And part of that, which is my second thing, is aggressiveness. I was really impressed with Tony, with Dez, with their, um, and even Rudd, right? I thought in this game, Virginia did not lay up, right? We, we railed against that in the last podcast. I mean, and we've kind of railed against it all season long. Like, give the kids an opportunity. Expect them to make plays. Be confident in them. Call the thing. Give them an opportunity. And you know what? In this game, they did. Like, I was really, I was really happy to see not just the, the calls on whether to go or not go, but just in general, like they, it felt like they were going down to Chapel Hill to win the game. And I know that that sounds simplistic, and I'm, I'm not trying to be a jerk. There have definitely been times this season when you're like, all right, well, what are you doing? Like that third and, and four from the 37 is going to live in our brains for a while, right? Because it was such a quintessential sort of example of like all the things you don't want to do. Or I guess let me rephrase that. All the things you don't want to be, right? You don't want to be the team that's punting on third and four. Uh, excuse me, that's putting on fourth and four from the 37-yard line, right? You want to be able to te- be the team that goes and get that. And I think in this game, they had the mentality to do that, and the kids responded to it. Now, did they did they execute it well because they were trusted? I, I, that's a, you know, it's hard to know that for sure. I just like the idea that the coaching staff put it in the hands of the players and gave them an opportunity. And I think that these kids seem to be guys who thrive off of that confidence. I mean, Tony Musket not wanting to come off the field, on that fourth down I just referred to. I, I just really loved the aggressiveness. And then you mentioned watershed. You're exactly right. Like we gotta you gotta get more hay in the barn before you understand like what this really means per se in the big picture. Right. But what I do think it was, beyond anything else for what it means for the season, I think it, what it was for the program is kind of undeniable, which is we talk a lot about like in sports about signature wins, right? Signature wins are a big deal. All right. It doesn't really matter what happens to Carolina from here on out. It doesn't in some ways even really matter what happens to UVA. What this signifies, though, is something that not only can Tony take to recruits, but it's something that, you know, fans are thinking about. It's something that, if we're going to be honest, donors are thinking about. Right. This answered a question emphatically in a way that nothing else other than, I guess, consistent success could have. Right. And it, it, it might not prove to be proof of concept this season. They might lose every game the rest of the year. But it is a proof enough concept that it gives you an idea of what it's supposed to look like when it's working, right? And I don't think you can really over overstate just how important that is. Like, that is absolutely crucial, especially for a staff that is, you know, while still, you know, coming into its own in some respects, you know, Grant, a lot of these guys have experience, but they're, you know, this is their second year together. They're in the middle of it. There were a lot of folks who were really out on these guys, right? They were out on where this program was headed. They were out. And I think this kind of result, and I'm not trying to be hyperbolic here. I think this is a kind of result that brings people back in. I'm not saying they're going to, they're going to bring 65,000 to the next home game or anything, 
But I think that like it does change a little bit of the narrative. And so it is a proof of concept in that, in that respect. So even if it, this does not mean that Virginia is going to end up, you know, winning five or six games or whatever, what it does mean for them is that the staff has something to build on, something to take into living room, something to, to show kids like, Hey, this is what it can be like. And I mean, I'm not saying they're going to turn it into like high fours and fives, you know, in recruiting. I'm just saying that like considering where they were two weeks ago and now where they are now, it's just, it's a dramatic shift. And that's what happens when you play like ultimately to be successful to school like Virginia, you're not going to be able, unless you have like a significant sort of like pro pedigree or something of that nature, you're simply not going to be able to walk in and recruit day one and flip the thing around. You're going to have to go out there and prove it on the field. You're going to have to win some games, give people a reason to believe in you, and then you can bring in the guys that you hopefully would like to get. Yeah, you might win a, a recruitment battle here and there. You're going to get some guys that you like. You're going to end up taking some guys that other teams maybe weren't as high on, but you're going to have to coach them up. because just That's just the reality of it. And in order to sort of get where you want to go, this is the kind of result that they desperately needed. And Hell, hats off to them. I mean, again, like we're, I think we're, we're, we're sounding like a broken record, but hats off to them for actually going out and doing it. Like these words only matter, but so much like, you you know, without the effort that they showed, without the consistency that they put out there, it doesn't happen. And I'm just really impressed. Again, Ferber said it a couple of times earlier, you know, they deserve all the credit and they, they definitely do. It was one of those results where you didn't think like, I mean, when, when the, when the fumble goes out of bounds, you know, you're, 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 you're crestfallen because you know, damn, they played well enough to win this game. And they just kind of kept coming in waves, man. I was just, I, I still am so impressed and very cognizant that they can go down to Miami this weekend. And, you know, it all sort of drifts off into the, to the netherworld, you know, like it sort of all becomes moot, but it won't all become moot. Cause I think, you know, this staff, I think putting something out there that, that will stick around for a while. Um, before we move to Miami, Ferber, I, I want to talk about the defense specifically. Um, what, what did you see from them? That Because, like, I was – honestly, I was really worried Carolina was going to hang a 50-burger on them. Um, and they didn't – they barely got to half that, right? W- what did you see defensively from Rudd and his group to kind of change that narrative? Yeah, I mean – well, for one, I think it's worth kind of just – we say this almost every week now, but just the fact that they're able to kind of like be competitive at all with the, how many injuries they've had on defense is pretty remarkable, especially against a it team really like is. North Carolina. You know, I was doing a podcast with uh, Marcus from our Miami site earlier, and he was like, the defense seems like kind of loaded based on what I saw against North Carolina. And I was like, it's actually a bunch of backups, um, you know, in there and, and guys that are new and things like that. And um, yeah, I mean, I think, in this particular game, it was really just like North Carolina wasn't efficient. You talked about getting into third and medium and third and short. A big part of that is like success on early downs. I saw a thing with um, Brent Venables a few weeks ago where he was saying that the biggest indicator of an offense's success is how they do on first down, like success rate on first down, because it sets you up to be able to do so many other things if you have, you know, second and third and medium and short. Um, and Carolina, like, I think some of it was their own doing because we talked about it during the game, but, like, they kind of got away from the run a little bit. Um, and they threw the ball, like, 50 times and ran it, like, what, 25? Um, 
or something like that. I mean, they probably ran it more than that if you count like Drake May's scrambles and stuff. But um, I really felt like it was just getting off the field on third down. I mean, that was the big thing, especially in the passing game. And against a team like Carolina, it would be really easy to commit a lot of penalties and try not to give up the big play touchdown. And they, I think they had one or two, but like really – Carolina had some big plays in the passing game early, but UVA kind of cut them out in the second half, and they had a couple guys make some plays, you know, when the ball was contested and and you know knock the ball down or get get it out of there or just not give up a play. And um, I think credit should go to those guys for, st- I mean, sticking with a really tough group of wide receivers um, throughout the game. And I mean, the pressure numbers weren't really like out of the out of the norm. I mean, they were pretty low, um, but you know it they were able to sort of make plays down the field and not give up the, the big home run ball too much in the second half. I think that was huge. And really, I think a a lot of their success was credited to just kind of stopping the horizontal stuff and the quick stuff that Carolina likes to get into on early downs and then forcing them into third and long. And then you kind of know what's coming. Um, And then they were just, honestly, they just made a few plays. Like they just needed to, you know, you give up one or two more plays in this game, you lose, you know, that's just the way it goes. If you give up another 60 yard touchdown because some guy misses an assignment or something, you know, that that's the difference. And UVA just made enough plays to kind of weather the storm. And, and then obviously on the last two drives, um, you know, North Carolina moved the ball on the first one, got into the red zone. And then I think it was like first and 10, they got a sack um, or something like to put them into like second and 12. Um, and then that kind of killed the drive in a way because North Carolina is basically throwing into the end zone from there. Right. Um, and, you know, you, it's easier. You have a 13th defender at the back of the end zone, you know, so you can kind of like sit on the shorter stuff. Um, and that's what they did. And I also think like not to make too big of a deal out of this, but I think like having Cam Robinson out there makes a difference because we were talking about how you can have like, a linebacker on a running back or a linebacker on a tight end. I mean, like you can put him in those situations and he's not like completely outclassed athletically. Um, and Carolina, like they can do a lot with their backs and tight ends and stuff. So I think that was probably a big help. And he, he was in, t- in tight coverage on that fourth and 12 play to the sideline. Um, or was it third and 12? I can't remember where he hit the wall. Um, but yeah, I mean, third, cause I think they had a play after that. Yeah. I think they threw another incomplete after that. Um, but yeah, I mean, they just, they made enough plays and like, you know, maybe they don't win the game if, you know, they had to make those subs on that last drive and get Akira in there. And, you know, yeah. if they're not able to sub there or something, like maybe they, you know, cause they were, they gave me like 20 seconds to, to throw the play before that. Um, so, I mean, it just kind of shows you like every single, and we've seen this enough this year on the other end of this, but like every play matters. Um, and you can't just like, take a playoff because against a team like North Carolina, it can be a touchdown if you don't do your job and right. a touchdown in a close game is the difference. Yeah. One thing real quick, I listen, it's not like I hadn't seen the kid a couple of weeks before. I totally get why they wanted so hard for Tez Walker to play. That dude yeah. is crazy good. He goes for 11 catches, 146 yards on 18 targets. Um, which he which had makes, a Malik Washington. I was going to say, Malik was Malik had 115 and a touch on uh, 16 targets, 12 catches. Um, to put that in context, Virginia only had 20 uh, receptions as a team. He had he had more than half. He had more. Than I half really of the don't understand. Yards. It's a change of topic, but like 
I really don't understand how they're doing this. I really don't either. They have two receivers that, that do anything. It's like, how are teams not able to stop that? Yeah, I, um, it's, it, I, I do think that there's something um, really impressive about it. Because like, if you just back up and you, and you just think about it, not, don't worry about the X's and O's part. Like, teams come in knowing that Virginia's going to throw, like, not to every ball, but most every ball in and around either Malik Washington or Malachi Fields, right? Malachi had four targets in this game. Malik had 16. That's 20 of the 29 passes that were thrown in the entire game. Okay. Now. <laughs> I, and I think I'm like not, three more were thrown out of bounds or whatever. Yeah. So. Yeah. So like, I'm not saying that, that, that it's impossible, right. For that to, for, for, for you to, you know, to do that and, and do it, you know, in a way that like, oh, you still are kind of quote unquote spreading it around. But man, it is really tough to think that like the defense is not trying to figure out a way every week. And the fact that they continue that Malik continues to have these games um is just it's kind of wild if you think about it. I mean, he has it's not just that he has been putting up like kind of gaudy numbers. It's like he basically does this every game, right? William and Mary, he goes for seven for a 112 and a touchdown. At Boston College, he goes nine catches. Ho-hum, 97 yards and a touchdown. NC State game, he went for uh, 10 catches, a buck 70, and two scores. In Maryland, he had nine catches for 141 yards. In the JMU game, um, he goes for, let's see, five catches for 119. And he had that 163-yarder, which kind of um, messed that up. So, I mean, the, the dude is just out there, like, straight just balling. And it's... It's wild to think that a, that a that a defense has not figured out yet. I honestly think it's because Virginia's doing a nice job of hiding the ball, and I don't mean that in terms of the football. I mean in terms of like high, like basically sort of using him in different ways. And his his versatility. I don't know if we've seen Virginia have a receiver who is this versatile, right? Like everybody will you know receiver will go to Herman and like yeah, but you know Herman's such a physical freak of nature. Right, Malik is the guy like, he reminds me of is like Alamade Zacchaeus. He he is, but it, but Alamade was much more like you know inside shoulder turn and be. And able his to was like more of like a, a he was a speed merchant more than Malik. Right, is. yeah, yeah. Malik is just he he he's not he's a really good route runner. He's crazy physical. Not to say that O wasn't, but like he's crazy physical. And like that one touchdown he had where he basically created chicken salad out of chicken. You know what? Like. He he did that essentially all on his own, right? And, and it would it, have been easy for him to just go down. It's yeah, like, all right, we have first absolutely. and goal of the four or whatever. Like, nah, he just yeah. he's, he's like, nah, he's, I'm getting in there. <laughs> kid's tough as nails, man. And um, you know, people want to bag on Virginia recruiting and stuff. They got Malik Washington to come to UVA. Um, and listen, you you have guys like that who come in the transfer portal and you're able to show some results. That's something you can use now. The downside in this right now is that everybody's got transfers and a lot of team successes on some level are built kind of like Tez Walker, right? Uh, on guys who are coming in from other schools and making a big impact. So it's not, it's, it's not the, it's not the selling point that it maybe used to be, but it certainly isn't a bad one, right? When you can show a talented player I mean, he's going to be an all ACC player at this point. Um, the only question is sort of what are his numbers at the end? The thing I think is just wild is like you said, it's like, how does he keep doing it? I mean, credit to Dez, to Adam Mims, and and the group for being able to um, to not just get the production they got out of him, but to continue to get it 
even when everybody in the stadium knows that that's the place Virginia wants to go with the ball. That's just, I that's think, just wild. I think that's why it highlights why it's so important for this team to be in third and short um, because you can run the ball. So teams have to defend that. And they, you know, they're not going to run for eight yards a carry a lot. So, you know, if you need two, you might be able to get two. And then, and now they kind of have a thing that we didn't even really count on that much, which is like muskets running. Um, they clearly are like, okay, doing that. Um, and you know, credit to him for doing it with a bum shoulder. Um, but they, he ran it what 12 times for 66 yards or something yeah. like that. There um, were a couple of times in this game. I was like, yo, what are, what are, what are we doing here, folks? Like, no, but damn that. I mean, that was, yeah, I mean, obviously they had the fourth down. They didn't convert when yeah, they tried which, to run him. But yeah. That was his that one was a third down. He looked like he was legitimately shot out of a cannon. I mean, I, I don't even know. I don't think I've ever seen the kid not just move that fast, but like run that hard. Um, it, it, and it's it was, it, and North Carolina wasn't. We'll see what happens going forward. But North Carolina clearly wasn't like ready for that because a lot no, of times the quarterback was completely uncovered on yeah. those, you know, and he just had space to run. And um, but yeah, I mean, you think about what this offense can do in third and medium or third and short. You have a running game with a few different backs who can do different things. You have a quarterback now that it can at least get you a few yards, you know, like and then, you know, it's not really like a huge part of their offense, but Sackett Woods ability I was gonna to, say, get, yeah. to get to get open. I mean, nobody's covering him a lot of these a lot of the times on these, and he's just kind of like hanging out underneath. That doesn't really work if it's third and eight, unless you want to throw it to him three yards past the line of scrimmage and hope he gets the first down. Yeah, the um, play design on that one was just absurd. Um, yeah, where you're, yeah, that's a nice play. I mean, yeah, that's that's really a play nice. where like, and if it, and if they cover it, your quarterback can run, and it's yep. like you know you just try to get to the edge. Um, I also that's thought they call. did a nice job in this game for of like making adjustments as the thing went on. Like, I I think a lot of us have been frustrated because it feels like in the second half of games, Virginia just has not been able to adjust to whatever the adjustments are. Now maybe you could you know you could say like, well, Carolina didn't really adjust and that's part of the problem. But I thought Virginia did a really nice job of figuring out, okay, it's not working as well now. Let's do something. Like, I thought they got better as the game went on in terms of the running game. I, I thought that, that, you know, Mike Hollins especially, um, to put up three touchdowns, which I think is the first time that's been done since, like, the way back. Um, it's It was the first time somebody's done it against a ranked opponent since Tiki Barber or something That's like nuts. That. Like, that's nuts. I mean, Virginia's had a lot of good running backs, right? Uh, that's yeah, just, some guys have done it against like the William and Marys of the world. Yeah, 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 yeah. But to do it Kevin like Parks. that against a <laughs> right to and no and no shade at anybody who did against. But I'm just saying, yeah. like to do it against a, a team that that skilled, a team that was like a serious playoff contention sort of program, right? Like you're. He should have had four. Yeah, he really <laughs> should have had four. That's right. Um, I mean, for for that guy to have that success for obvious reasons this year is just incredible. But overall, I just thought the running game and the offensive – I mean, it looked like a whole different sack of dudes, man. Like, a whole different group of dudes. Like, and credit to them. I mean, they have they have taken endless crap from people like us talking smack or, you know, talking about how bad this is or bad that is and you got to improve here and what are they doing. And folks on – People you like know, you, Brad. People like me and Dave have been very positive this whole time about everything. <laughs> Never once said an ill word. Um, no, no, I mean, I honestly, I didn't realize it live and how bad it was. Not bad for UVA, but bad for Carolina. Like the the push that they were getting up front was pretty significant. I mean, they were Tony Elliott said it after the game, but they were kind of living in the backfield of the 
or living in North Carolina's side of the line of scrimmage. And yeah, they were. It really showed up when I went back and watched it. I was yeah, like, man, they watch really good was, push. Yeah, man. You, you, you just, all you needed to like, and I'm not saying watch football squinting, but sometimes if you just watch for the colors and where the colors go, you know, like yeah. you can actually see a lot. And man, they were moving that line of scrimmage a lot. I was really impressed with the offensive line. Um, well, again, I'll, I, I don't want to say that everything we're saying comes with a caveat, but it, it's sort of implied, right? That like, it only really changes things for this year if they can do it a couple more times. It, I do think in, in this is a watershed sort of moment for the program as a whole, uh, certainly for this coaching staff, but for this team, yeah, you got to see more of it. So I mean, if they come out against Miami and, you know, Miami's just throwing them around and, you know, they're, they're averaging like, you know, half a yard of carry. Okay. never mind, Right. It does kind of, that kind of changes things. But I mean, to average for, what was it? Um, Four four yards and, and and some change against this defense, I thought was really impressive. And credit to them, uh, credit to Hef, credit to that entire group. I mean, offensively, I thought they were again the the fact that this was such a um, you know multi sided um, thing. It, it, I think is is the best part, right? It's not just that they fought; it's that they fought as a group. They were collective, right? The offense didn't carry them, defense didn't carry them, special teams, yeah. You know, this was a full team complimentary football sort of thing. And it just feels good to watch really good complimentary football. Um, and frankly, if what we saw the other night is what UVA is, I am so excited about that. Like I would love to see more explosive plays. Of course, love to see, you know, my quarterback, you know, go for a little bit more than 200 yards. Right. But at the end of the day, like I just love the way it all fit together. And if that's the blueprint, I mean, it and it, and it can, and it can, they show continued results, consistent results that it works. I'll be, I, you know, I'll be happy as a clam. I just was really impressed with them in all phases. Even, I mean, honestly, for me, like, it's obviously much better to win. And we got to experience that Saturday. You know, it's like you kind of go into the game and you're like, yeah, we'll see what happens. And then by the end, you have completely different feeling. We're getting on FaceTimes. Um, but uh, I think like if they can do what they did on Saturday and, you know, look at their schedule. So they have Louisville, Miami, Duke, um, and then two games that I think are winnable, but not, I mean, obviously you don't just go in there and do whatever in those two. Um, in those, particularly in the three, like really tough games they have coming up. Um, if they can do what they did on Saturday, even if they lose some of them, all of them, whatever, and they're competitive in all of them, I'll feel a lot better about this being a sustainable th- uh, vision, you know, because then you can look at the whole season and be like, all right, you know, they were competitive against the NC state team. I mean, if you look at the teams they played now, every single team that they lost to is as a winning record. Um, Cause BC has won three in a row. Um, so, I mean, you could say like, you know, they competed with a lot of really good teams and had a tough schedule and came up short in some games and certainly things to work on next year. Got to win more games, but like there's something here. Um, if they can go out and then maybe you steal one here and there, but yeah, if, if we see them come out and execute this and, and be competitive, then I think we, it looks more sustainable if they, if they, you know, try to do this exact same thing against Miami and it, and it's like, you know, seven points or something like then obviously it's like, okay, maybe they need to be a little bit more explosive or something, but, um, yeah, I mean, to turn around what you're doing, like your program, your you know era of a coach or whatever you want to call it, you have to start somewhere, and this is a pretty damn good place to start. Amen to that. So 
speaking of sort of turning things around, so the next game is at Miami, as we mentioned. Um, Kane's coming off of a very intriguing overtime win over Clemson. What do you make of this Miami team, Ferber? Um, because to me, whereas Carolina, I felt like going into Virginia, the Virginia game had kind of changed the narrative about like great offense, terrible defense. This just feels like the most Miami team. Uh, well, not maybe the most Miami team, but like it just feels like all the other Miami teams, right? In the sense that like you're never really sure what you're going to get. Uh, you know what you're supposed to get. You're just not sure if you're actually going to get it. Um, and they just seem to do a lot of weird stuff, especially when it comes to like you know clock management and things of that nature. What how, what do you make of the Hurricanes right now? Yeah, I mean, I think that they're improved from. If UVA fans are thinking back to last year's game, like uh, this isn't like Miami's better than they were last year. I, I think their offense is just a has a better plan, and you know, they obviously last year they had a backup quarterback playing, and um, their offensive line was terrible. And I, I think they've made some improvements there through the portal and things like that, and and their defense is is pretty solid. So I think. You know, it's gonna. It's not gonna be the same as it was last year. I don't think you're gonna see 14 to 12 in four overtimes. Um, <laughs> and you just forget how bad that was until you go back and look at it, and you're like, man, nobody yeah. could do anything. Um, yeah, I think they're pretty solid. I mean, obviously, it's Miami, so we got to just put that out there right now. Uh, they are capable of anything, positive and negative. Um, you know, I, I think if you look at their season, it makes sense as like, oh, they're a good team. And, you know, like they're not going to win every game, but they're good if you take the Georgia Tech result out. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. And, and even though they, they should have won that game um, and, you know, honestly, they did win the game. Their coach just screwed them. To, I mean, there's no other way to put it because um, it's not like a situation where it's like, dude, missed a field goal to win. Right. Like, they yeah, won, yeah, the you. mathematics added up to where they won the game and they just decided <laughs> to give it to them they anyway. Just, yeah, fine, um, fine. We won't win. Yeah, exactly. It's like you can have it. Um, and you know, you can't take the results away, but even, even if they did win, like it wasn't a good performance cause it was close at the end. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. um, at home and, and, you know, they beat Texas A&M that doesn't look as good. Um, yeah. Texas A&M is not yeah. like they're not elite, but I mean, it's still a good win. Um, that's a, yeah, you thought team. when they put it, when they put 48 on Texas A&M, you're like, okay, you know, this could be yeah. something. Cause I mean, they were top 25 at that point. Um, uh, they yeah, were that, ranked up until they lost to Carolina, I think. Um, and no, then, I'm sorry, I'm that, talking about I'm talking about uh, Texas A&M. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. They were early um, in the season, but yeah, they, but I think Miami's know, solid. I mean, they're like they're going to be one of the better teams UVA is going to play this year. And the, the only thing that gives me hope is that it's it Miami, Miami. Sometimes you know, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Um, and you don't give them did. all day in um, um, Miami Gardens at the Hard Rock to get all you know. I fired up. Um, you know, it's it's interesting to me, though, because if you think about it, Virginia's not going to see a better team the rest of the way than the one they just beat, right? And because, I mean, they, I'd argue like they, that Duke is pretty close. I um, don't know, man. I, I think I think well, Carolina is a tougher game, though, because they're they're explosive. So it's like you can they can play terrible and then have two big plays. That's true. And then all of a sudden, the, you're pro, the thing about Duke is, is that I don't know who Duke really is without Riley Leonard. Um, and we don't know what his status is going to be by the time that game. Now, maybe he's back and it's all cool in the game. He played last week. But he, I don't think – do you think he was up to 100%? I don't know. Uh, yeah, don't he did he, come out too, didn't he? Um, he came out late, but, and I and, and the other kid had to come in. But And Louisville is good, but I, I don't know that they're as good as their record. Um, I think Louisville is very good. I just don't think Louisville's like – I because I genuinely think Carolina's a top 15 team, right? Yeah. Um, 
if not top 15, top 20. I don't think Louisville's in that conversation. I don't think Duke is. I do think Duke is scrappy enough and can play, especially if they can get you to play their game, right? They can kind of, you know, limit the big plays and stuff. Like, their offense is good enough to be able to keep them in games. Um, their defense is good enough to be able to pick up their offense when they're, you know, maybe not doing it as well. But Carolina is a whole different animal because Carolina can kind of beat you either way, right? Mm-hmm. They can sort of dominate you on either side of the ball. Um, so I, also, I we're think, not. I mean, we kind of forgot about Tennessee. Tennessee's good. No, so. no, I'm saying they're. I, I, I specifically said the rest of the way. Yeah, right? yeah. They won't see a team that good the rest of the way because I mean right. I agree with you. But no, my point is is that like I don't think as as good as Miami. I think is I let me rephrase as talented as Miami is, and I don't have any qualms about saying that Miami's talented. Right? It's just a question of whether or not night in night out they're going to actually put it together. Um, they're not they're not as good as Carolina is to me. Um, and so it's it, it's very rare to be able to go into a situation and go yeah yeah this game's on the road. You know, you're playing a good team, whatever. But this is no harder than the one you just won on the road, right? Um, now, that's not to say that ma- – I mean, matchups make fights, right? And so, one, we got to figure out whether um, Van Dyke is, is good to go. Um, what's his situation? Uh, I think that changes the complexion of the game in a variety of different ways. I also feel like, um, you know, when you when you look at the, the way UVA won that Carolina game, right, the balance – can Virginia run the ball as well against Miami's defense as it did against Carolina's, right? I, I don't think Carolina's offense, excuse me, I don't think Miami's offense is as good as Carolina's, but I do think that Miami has potential explosive uh, elements that if you're, you know, you mentioned earlier, like if you miss an assignment, that's one, you know, 60 yard or boom off the top. Like Virginia was very consistent in that game. Can they do that again? I think that consistency is the difference between them winning and losing on Saturday. I feel like that is a huge part of the equation. Um, and I mean, look, you know, I, I forget. I think it was you, Ferber, who said in our text thread that after Miami won that game against Clemson, like they were, you know, go ahead and chalk it up because Miami's not exactly <laughs> great about handling the emotional. Well, what I said was UVA's chances to win just increases, just increase like you know exponentially or whatever. Yeah, Miami's um, not real. Good I will about say the they did get their dumb right. loss out of the way, and that's they can true. have more than one. You know, we've seen them have that's, more than yeah, one. That's true too. But at least now they know it's possible. You know, like if they were coming into this like six and zero, I'd be like, all right, they're due. <laughs> like they're due for a stinker. <laughs> but they kind of had it already. Um, and I also I think like and not to, you know. I don't think this stuff matters as much as we talk about it, but like the UVA should have their attention a little bit more given what just happened. Um, like they can't just be like, Oh, this team's terrible. Like they just beat a team that Miami failed to beat the week before. Right. What's uh what's the line on this game? Do you remember? It's like 18 or 19 or something, which okay. I think is high. That's that seems high to me. Um, yeah. Again, I, I mean, Virginia was a 23 and a half point favorite line. Excuse me. Uh, 23 and a half point underdog last week. Um, let's revisit the preseason predictions, which, you know, at this time of the year, they always seem so it seems egregious to go back and, and visit them uh, in the preseason. Ferber, you had Virginia uh, losing this game 27 to 14. I had Virginia losing this game uh, 19 to 13. Um, I, I, I'm almost inclined to stick with it just so I can sort of keep the reverse mojo going. When you look at it now, how do you how do you feel about this one and, and what's your pick? Yeah, I mean, I think given what we saw last week, there's like I said, like I think you can go into 
I think one of the things that is the biggest takeaway for me from that game is that before the game, we were kind of talking about like, man, it kind of sucks like going into these games and not really feeling like things are going to go, you know, like there's not a whole lot of juice right now and you go in hoping that right. it goes well, but you're not expecting it to. Um, now, I mean, after what happened on Saturday, I, there, I don't think there's any reason to go into a game the rest of the way, barring like some really bad injury situations where you can't say like they at least have a chance. Um, they can make it competitive if nothing else. And I think that's where I am with it. Um, I think if UVA tries to do what they did on Saturday at North Carolina, um, then I think that they would have to win a lower scoring game because I think Miami's better in the trenches than North Carolina is. They just have more talent there. Right. Um, and I think that's where this game is kind of a, a bad matchup maybe for UVA. And I think, if they fall behind, then they have to get into their passing game. And if they get into their passing game, can they block? Um, and that's kind of where I see this one going. Um, if North Carolina, or if, if, if Miami doesn't <laughs> start well and UVA is up 14 to three or something, then maybe they can do what they did last week and execute that, you know, but right. I think that's easier said than done. Um, so I think UVA fights hard. I think they keep it competitive and, you know, like they play a, a tough game, but I think ultimately Miami just, makes enough plays and and they run the ball and they stop the run. And then once UVA needs to throw, it's going to be, you know, can that UVA block? Um, and right now I just have a little bit more faith in Miami to make those plays. Um, so I'm going to go, I think UVA covers, I'm going to go 30 to 20 Miami. That's fair. I, I actually tend to agree with basically everything you just said. Um, and I'm not gonna like be like, and yet I'm still gonna pick. You know, I'm still <laughs> yeah. gonna pick Miami to win it. Um, not so fast, my friend. I, I think the difference is is that last week, if you had said no, Virginia's gonna win the game, I would have been shocked. Right? I will not be surprised at all if Virginia wins this game. Yeah, and that's especially now that we've seen them kind of do it. Already. Right? It's not me hedging. My my worry is 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 can they run the ball the way that they did against Carolina? I think that is clearly a big part of what they need to be able to do in order to have success. Now you hit a couple big plays here and there. It takes a lot of that pressure off. Um, but I think you, you, you not only have to be good in the trenches offensively, but you've also got to be able to stop them. And, you know, we understand Virginia is sort of getting healthier as the season's going on, which is a good thing considering sort of where the defense has been. But I, I I'm, I'm a little bit curious uh, and a little bit, um, uh, I'm not saying that they it can't happen. I'm just saying that it's hard to pick it to happen, that Virginia's going to be able to run the ball as well and stop the run and be able to sort of do what they need to do in order to play the sort of brand of football I think that is be that best suits them when they're successful, so to speak. So I'm actually going to stick with my 19 to 13. Um, you know, I think I think that number is too high, but the 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 line. But I've, I also feel like um, I understand why – it, it sort of is what it is. Um, now Virginia can go out there and basically pull a, another Carolina here, right? Complimentary football, clean game, being able to sort of turn the page for mistakes. It, it, I, I don't, I don't have any qualms in saying like publicly, like my, my expectation in that game in that situation is that Miami will fold that the frustrate, like I feel like Carolina was able to sort of push through even though it wasn't going the way they wanted to. I think Miami's one of those teams that, like, if you lean on them a little bit, they'll fold, right? 
UNC, not, like, honestly, they played like a team that was like, we're going to go win this game. Like, they, yeah, we just they did. need to get the ball. And then it just didn't happen. And me. then it just didn't happen. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Everything about them going into when it didn't happen felt like it was going to happen. They looked like yeah. they were confident in it. They were, you know, ready to make the plays. And it just, you know, a ball sailed here, you know, that kind of thing. I just don't see that in Miami. Now, maybe Miami comes out, puts 50 on them, and I'm wrong. Um, but, you know, what I see from Miami and what I've, you know, what kind of feels like them has been exactly who Miami's always been. Um, I do think they're extremely talented. I do think that they have a lot of really good pieces. Um, and I'm, like I said, my worry is, is in the trenches and can Virginia sort of be against Miami, what they were against Carolina. And again, that Carolina defense has um, got a lot of really good players on there. I'm not, you know, it's not like they, the, the Carolina defense of old, but Miami feels like a team of old. Um, and so the question is, which which Miami sh- team shows up? Um, and I, you know, I think you have to pick it, expecting it's going to be the better one. But I also think if Virginia can put some stuff together. I, I don't. I would not be surprised to see Miami sort of just kind of come apart a little bit because that's you know, you know, they're coming off of a really emotional win, and there's you know, there's a lot to that. So, and then obviously um, there's like you said, there's the Tyler Van Dyke piece, which yes, it sounds right. like. I mean, they're saying he's going to play. Yeah, right. I expect him to play. Yeah, no, I expect him to play. But then you're in any of those situations, you're also worried too. like, okay, if a guy plays, who is he? Right. Mm -hmm. Is he playing at 80 percent, 75 percent, 95 percent? Like until I mean, he played when they lost to Georgia Tech, too. So, right. Exactly. And then like until you see it consistently over four quarters, it's hard to know. Like, yeah, just because he plays doesn't mean he's going to finish. And, you know, I think for Virginia, the trick is, you know, continue to try to get pressure. Um, you know, it, it clearly, you know, was a was a big part of of why they were able to to get the win that they got last week. And in order for them to get more wins this season, I think that pressure has to be present. I mean, I don't think there's any way around it. All right, I think we did it. Um, hopefully, Dave, Dave will says be- UVA sixty five, Miami three. Did you just make that up? I did. Please. Okay, good. What if it's really sixty-five to three? Dave would be like, "Nope, I said it. That's what happened." Yeah. I'd be like, "Show us the text messages. <laughs> Show us the receipts." Uh, if you're somebody out there who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And if you're so inclined to give us a rating or review, we appreciate it. For somebody who has not looked at the website yet, you can check us out at CapsCorner.com. Lots of basketball stuff, lots of recruiting stuff. Uh, Houston caught up with um, you know a couple of kids this week. Uh, including Jacob Wilkins, who I, I just think that's a fascinating recruitment between UVA and Georgia, especially now that Georgia got the Newell kid um, and could be building one of the better classes uh, in the country. And y- meanwhile, Virginia's recruiting him and his brothers on staff. It's like, it's it, when's the last time? I mean, we've had a lot of like, you know, family connections and stuff, but the dude is literally on staff. Like, you know, like that one's going to be like those have gone against UVA more than they've helped them in the past. A lot of times they have other schools have the connection or whatever. Right. Yeah. The other school has the guy, but yeah, but his dad's an assistant coach, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, So anyway, and obviously we'll have lots of stuff on the uh, Miami game um, coming up. And then obviously basketball season is right around the corner. uh, Who's will be opening up on Monday, November the 6th. Um, Kind of weird that it's a Monday. I don't know why. Uh, I want to thank all of you out there for supporting the show. And, of course, I want to thank Ferber for giving graciously of his time, as always. And hopefully we'll have Dave back to 100% full go next week as well. So, for Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CatsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon. Hey.